You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online the UCLA side on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? Will Ferrell and Elf. You think so? I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, I love you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. No, I can't remember. But I know he yeah. says I love you about eight times. That's what that felt like to me. Yeah. Yeah. Seems right. Yeah. Seems right. Um, we are in the sweet hereafter now. Um. UCLA basketball season is is fully dead, fully gone. No, it's uh, not. We're in recruiting now. My God, uh, this is what we exist for, Dave. I realize I've been like a little bit cranky this week, Tracy, and I think it has something to do. I know, Dave, with watching that goddamn game last Thursday. I'll be honest. Someone put up a post saying, "I can't shake it." Really? Now, if we were healthy, we probably we I can't say we UCLA would have been the favorite probably to win the national championship mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, he, and he can't shake it i love yeah. that poster I, I can't i i can't quit you yeah no it's like um what was that depressing movie with uh, casey affleck um oh the he, one in boston when yeah where he kills his kids in the fire and then uh and then michelle williams is in it oh wait god casey affleck's been in a lot of depressing it was um god what was it called uh Hang on, hang on, because there's Googling, a line. Googling. There's, a, there's a line from that movie. Uh, depressing. What was it called? Uh, My, Manchester by the Sea. Man, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's the the line where he's like, "I can't beat it. I can't beat it." Um, and in that, it was you know um, accidentally uh, killing all those kids. So we're here for, for for UCLA people. It's it's I can't beat it watching that Gonzaga game. That's why. Okay, so that brings up uh, Fever Pitch. Uh-huh. <laughs> when he remember when he just he breaks up with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Uh, and he locks himself in his apartment and just keeps watching the Bill Buckner. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, this, we're doing this well. is what we're here for, though. We are yeah. your therapy once a week. And it's it's a therapy session you're getting with your subscription fee. Yeah. So this is amazing. Amazing. We should, we should charge insurance companies. We should attempt that. Let's yeah. let's have someone put in us on their insurance and see yeah. how that we'll goes. We'll put in a claim. Yeah. Yeah. Um but uh so we're we're now in this uh in this in this in this in, in media res. No, that's not right. We're in this middle period. Um where uh, Tracy wrote a great story about basketball recruiting this morning. Uh, if you haven't read it, read it. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. Read it, and we'll we'll just hold off. We'll be silent for like 
35 seconds and get back to us. Okay, here we go. Okay, just okay. pause it. Instead. That was good enough. Okay. Um, and then we have uh, we we we're all going to be watching spring ball uh, next week. That's football. Uh, spring football, yeah. uh, which begins on Tuesday, April fourth. Um, it's open. Everybody who can should come out. It's a good time. Um, I, I know we're supposed to be promoting UCLA sports and energy, and we want people to have energy on our site. But I'm a little tired, Dave. <laughs> I'm I'm wiped out. I need a rest. Yeah, I really do. Before Tuesday. Yeah, there's no rest. The sofa is going to be my best friend. Yeah, we get to watch the final four. Oh God, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, so that starts on Tuesday. Uh, you should come out if you can. Uh, I know it sounds kind of uh, wonky just to be. Parched, perched up on the parking lot, but frankly, I and, think it's and parched <laughs> and parched, <laughs> definitely parched. It's going to get hot, um, but I think it's actually preferable to the old uh, sitting in the stands, um, watching it from you know the that angle, um, watching it from up on the parking lot. You at least have a little bit of perspective, and on Saturdays, potentially getting the Luskin um, patio. Yeah, that's nice because you get a little shade. Hey, just so I've always wanted to say this. Um, there's so many nice bros who come up and say hi to us. And w- there is nothing more that Dave and I would like to do is go back to Lusk and have a few drinks and talk to y'all. But we've got to watch that practice. If you ever notice, we, we do like detailed practice reports. Yeah. And you know, if we turn our head for literally 20, this has happened so many times. I've turned my head and I hear, oh, and... There's no rewinding practice for us to know. And, and not only did we miss something, we missed who who threw the ball, who caught the ball, who got burned on the play. And now you feel like your whole time out there was wasted. <laughs> Correct. So Correct. please excuse us if we don't seem as friendly as you can tell. Dave and I are very friendly people. I'm a friendly guy. Oh, my gosh. Friendliness. They call me friendly Dave. Just, yeah. You are friendly, Dave. Yeah. FD. FD. So, yeah, that's happening. And that should be, as spring practices go, this should be very exciting. I mean, they have a ton of guys that we've never seen before in a UCLA uniform. And then, of course, because of the way fall practices, a bunch of guys who've been on the roster that, you know, we haven't seen. I mean, like, God, so many. Uh, So there's just, and then, and then the, quarterback competition that's just way too much fun so we are not justifying how interesting this spring practice should be because we're tired but that doesn't mean you should be tired that no, means you should you come should out there energized. with some excitement yeah. yeah all right so we've got that to talk about we've got uh basketball recruiting to talk about we were just talking though and uh tracy and i wanted to lead off with a little bit of um Sort of NIL, sort of nature of sports journalism discussion. Um, you know, just kind of given a little bit of the conversation this week about, um, you know, the nature of men of Westwood, but also like what's appropriate and all that kind of stuff. And I figure it's better to just, you know, kind of lay it all out there and let's well, have a discussion. Let's talk it out. Let's talk it out. So, uh, as everyone listening to this knows, uh, Bro has a relationship with the Men of Westwood NIL Collective. It's the one that's supporting the basketball and football programs for UCLA. Um, you know, essentially uh, funding uh, NIL deals for the players. 
Now, in a, in an old-timey way, in an old-timey understanding of sports journalism, this would be um, an uncomfortable position, right? But the thing is, and you, discerning listener, know this, uh, Bro has always straddled a very interesting line with um, uh, general sports journalism in that, and I think I'm, I'm not... I mean, cover your ears if if you're if you uh, if you thought otherwise. But we are a partisan sports news outlet. Uh, along those same lines, this was a classic, and it's it's so salient right now because I've I've always both of us have tried to maintain as much objectivity as we can, and that includes criticism of both programs. So, um, one assistant coach from a. Uh, a head coach that will remain nameless right now wanted us to be on board with them. Meaning, okay, there are, I'm going a little bit off track, but I'll bring it home. I swear. Um, there were coaches, head coaches in UCLA's history that we've covered that have been very good about that. We maintained relationships with them, but they understood that we had to be critical sometimes and even said, yeah, okay, yeah, go ahead and do it. There and even been, with those, and just as an interjection, even with those, there's a friction. Like, oh, yeah. even when they are generally okay with it, there will be in particular moments where they are not, we still do the thing. Do, anyway. do, we, call, do we call a phone call and have people yelling at us as friction, Dave? Yes. Yeah, or, let's count or that. Threaten, or, or when they perhaps call the, the, the main guy at your, uh, website, you know, the at your website, you know, the one who runs scout.com or 247 Sports and complains about you to them. And that's one of the coaches who was good. That was the guy we had a really good relationship with. <laughs> so it's not like this is all just rainbows and puppy dogs here that we're maintaining this relationship. But anyway, getting back to it, the one, the one staff that we cut ties. I mean, I'll just say it. It's Steve Alford's staff. Uh, we, we, <clears throat> cut, we cut ties with them. Now, they could say they cut ties with us, and, and they did after they got our answer. And It's a little dosy do And their answer, their request was, we want you to be part of the team. And we said, well, what? They go, we want you on board. We want you to act like, you know, you're, you're, one of, you're on this team. You're, on this, you're part of the staff. And we're all, no, we can't do that. And... One of the assistant coaches who will remain nameless said to me, getting a little agitated, say, hey, your website has Bruin in the name. (laughs) (laughs) And he kind of got me on that one. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I'm still not going to, I'm not going to tow your company line. I I just can't. And I mean, they reached out to us another number of times saying, you're either basically you're either with us or you're not with us. And I said, okay, then we're not with you. And that's how that one went, but I love it. You have Bruin in in your name. (laughs) So yes, we are, we are, what did you, you said it in a very, how did you describe us? A partisan sports news outlet. Yes. We, so uh, there's a few different things going on here. One, we cover UCLA sports exclusively actually um i mean with with the occasional like if something really cool happens we'll we'll throw in a gymnastics story or a baseball story or whatever but exclusively the revenue sports um because the genesis of this site is 
recruiting news was the kind of the initial bit. Uh, but it's a partisan sports news outlet. Um, we cover UCLA exclusively. Also, and I, I don't think we've made any secret about this, but just to put it out there, our site does better. And I know this is everyone sit down when UCLA's main two revenue sports do well. Dun, dun. That is the main thing. So anyone who thinks, oh, it's they're doing this for clicks to get, you know, uh, uh, page views on a recruiting story or they're really just they're they're all about recruiting in isolation. No, we do best if the if the season goes well, we do best now That's, now now. now. A lot of it is our excellent and consistent content. We, no, that's no, no. that's so, an element of it. But a big thing is, like you said, the teams do well, the site does well. Right. So, But here's the other piece, and the piece that everyone should understand out there. And, and you cover your ears because this is uh, going to be kind to you I, and I, 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 should? I get uncomfortable with this. Yes. Okay. I can't. I've got headphones on, so how? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the reason it's maintained during this the worst period for UCLA's main sports and basically ever. Trace, you picked a great time to start a business about UCLA sports. <laughs> I'm a genius. Is because of the way in which we cover um, the sports. You can generally trust us to say when things are good, we call it good. When things are bad, we call it bad. That's the general um, – I don't like the word objectivity. That's It's not what it is. It's – uh, intellectual honesty. It's um, don't lie to people. Don't tell them it's you know, you know. Don't 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 piss on them and could say it's raining. Um, it's you know. It's why we can say well, Steve Alford, uh, knowing a year and a half in that it was really bad, we can say well, is it worth it to maintain a relationship with the staff where we're going to have to essentially lie to our you know, our our subscribers, or do we completely cut ties? probably get a little bit less inside information but not entirely less because obviously we have relationships with other people um but get a little bit less so that we can continue to be honest with subscribers and the calculation there is very easy like it's well we've got to maintain the honesty uh got to maintain the um you know telling them like it is and and this is the thing we didn't we didn't really just make we didn't dave and i sit here and have a meeting and say let's do this let's do it this way it really started because both dave and i just aren't capable of doing it any other way i mean well think about how gross that would be and repugnant it would be um like you have to have and we can be gross and repugnant in many other ways so it wouldn't have been that big of a stretch but it's just you know if you're lying to other people you're lying to yourself it's just it's no fun but that's what all humans do <laughs> well and also like i mean going back to when i was a student um and i'm sure this is the case for you too but like i was a hypercritical little bitch then too you know so Who would it's then like, swing one way and predict an undefeated season in a national championship absolutely absolutely <laughs> but once you're actually in it and watching it it's it's hard to call it anything other than what it is anyway the point is um when you when you fast forward to right now, and we are clearly um, we have a relationship with Men of Westwood and AL Collective. We've been pretty transparent about it. Um, it's consistent with how we've kind of operated because our relationship with the Men of Westwood and AL Collective isn't preventing us from being objective or not again not objective from being intellectually honest about the state of the programs. We are still going to be hypercritical if UCLA football falls flat on its face this year. Um, 
I'm still critical as of things. As we have been. I mean, I am. I, I and most everyone out there is 95% happy with Mick Cronin, but we're still not shying away from the critiques. We've, um, we've nitpicked games, his, his the program, like no other. Yeah. So I guess the, the point is what we're doing for the NIL Collective is essentially um, uh, two things. One, we're getting something from it. And two, uh, and that, that thing is you, you've seen the interviews. I mean, we've gotten uh, you know great content to share with you guys. And then two, we are also um, uh, essentially helping to prop up the success of the programs. And that doesn't mean we are propping them up by carrying water for them. It means we are literally helping to improve the competitive situation for the two main revenue-generating sports. Yes. Is that weird if you are uh, fast-forwarding from 1992 where you only subscribe to, like, three newspapers and they're where you get all your sports journalism info and all that kind of stuff? Sure. In modern times, no. It, it, it makes total sense. It's, it's part of the business model. All in all, if you look at journalism, and I'm doing air quotes, um, today in the modern era – not just in sports, in politics, in just about every element. Uh, yeah, there are there are some objective journalists and and websites and newspapers out there. But my gosh, I, I mean, there aren't there isn't much left when it uh, there is partisanship in so much reporting these days i mean one of the most constant themes on the bro uh, forums is how biased espn is um we we see it recently and i'm not going to name names here maybe you will but we've seen it in the reporting of ucla going to the big 10 and and the uc actions on that that was stunning to me, really. The reporting on that, how I was hearing exactly opposite things from all of my sources that were being reported by other reporters that I couldn't make. All I could think of, well, they must have other sources. And then I'd check back with my sources and they say, no, that's just wrong. <laughs> and good sources, and ultimately, often, obviously, they were very good sources because my sources proved out to be right about the whole UC region thing. Um, so if you want intellectual honesty when it comes to UCLA news, I think we've really proven ourselves here. Um, and I don't know that we necessarily have to do any more proving. Well, I think a big part of it is um – funny little charged word from this last week but um all you can ask for from any of your uh news outlets or what you consume is not that they be unbiased that is an impossible task it's impossible everyone has a point of view okay just everyone one really has... one really quick point on that i have now okay before i did bro you know i was in hollywood i did all that whole thing so i i started uh, reporting on UCLA and I was around a lot of beat writers and I, I, I revered the LA times. I, re, you know, and newspaper, 
I was one of the first things I realized I was a little shocked at how biased all the beat writers were. They are. And so the other thing is, and not our friend Ben. Ben is no, perfect, actually, he's Ben. A, he's a perfect and beautiful little angel who is not in any way well, biased now you're, about anything. Yeah, but now, but honestly, Ben's at the top. He is. Uh, but, but there's a. There's I'm not a, biased. I mean, <laughs> well, and this is the thing there is a group think uh, largely among. Um, uh, especially like if you get into like um, a, a, a gaggle of sports writers, uh, I don't know what you call them, a pod, um, a, a, a cornucopia, whatever it is. Um, there's this group thing where it's all there. They all have the exact same, like it's like they're trying to out cantankerous each other and just have the most like bleak view of whatever the thing is that they're covering. Um, and it, it happens uh, very frequently and it was very common on the UCLA beat for a long time. But my going back to it, you can't ask that anyone be unbiased. That is not that is not a fair uh, 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 judgment of anybody. Nobody is a robot. Everyone has a point of view. Everyone has a series of things that got them to the point they are where they will think about things a certain way. And even if they are not explicit about it, even if they do are not aware of it, they have a bias, right? We can all agree on that. Like if you think about yourself – you don't have a pure, uh, oh, gosh, I have I have the objective truth of this. No, nobody does. It's You have your perception of it. And the way a, a, a journalist writes about it, sometimes it's tortured language, but even the tortured language they choose is part of that bias, okay? So that, all you can ask is that people be self-aware and, and, and this is the important thing in journalism, transparent about their biases. So we are transparent about it. Bruin is in the name. We cover UCLA sports uh, exclusively. And as we're telling you right now, we are invested in the success of those two revenue sports. Because, and again, transparency, because it's better for our business. Yeah, is there a part of me that's still a fan? For sure. You see it on Twitter all the time. I couldn't get a hold of Dave for many hours after that Gonzaga loss. That is, that is not a lie by Tracy Pearson. So... Uh, but the the main reason, and I'm, again, totally honest with you, the main reason is uh, it's better for our business when the sports do well. Yes. Um, Which is why, again, if you're consistent, it's why we can uh, be pretty hypercritical at the tail end of a coaching tenure because better for our business if they get a better coach in there sometimes. Yeah, and that's – and. Yes, but what I'm also saying is it's it's just part of it's our nature. Both Dave and uh, there have been plenty of UCLA sites that have come and gone. You've seen them come and go. They've never been able to last very long, and if they did, they were on you know life support for most of the way. Bro is the only one that's really survived, um, and I wouldn't say survived. We've we've flourished. I mean, consistently one of the top twenty. Uh, sites in the 24-7 network. Um, you know, we've done analyses of page views. You know, it gets generates more page views than the LA Times UCLA page. Uh, I mean, we've done really well, but it's it's not like Michigan when there are seven sites out there and they're all, they're all doing well, or Alabama or Auburn. Auburn, man, those fans. They could support a site that put up pictures of dog poop and they yeah. would subscribe. Um, so, and I'm saying this, I'm touting our success because it was, 
I think we found the right formula. We weren't cheerleaders. We weren't, not everyone was an All-American. When things weren't going well, we said it. Um, so I think we've generated probably enough faith and trust from you that we will be able to, like, we have an invested interest in this, in the programs doing well, but we know what works for us now. And yeah. that is indulging, <laughs> what did you call it? Um, when you were in school and you were being critical your your whiny bitch. What did you say? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I could be a critical little bitch about everything. Yeah, I mean, and I think we both can. So, and for whatever reason, maybe we should re- rename the site as <laughs> "Whiny Little Bits Report Online." Yeah. Maybe. At times, we probably should. So, we just wanted to talk about that first, and then. Let's just talk about Menno Westwood a little too, because everyone is so curious about it. And I get the curiosity because it's a whole new entity. So people are applying their old assumptions to other things to it. And I I don't personally like where this is all gone. I like to call it sports. I thought it was great. There was a, there was a purism to it that appealed to me. And I think appeals to a lot of people, but those days are over. They're just over. We've got to adapt or you die. And this is, we are in that transition period of getting over something we loved and moving into something that might be a little icky, but it's the way it is. And um, so we are making that transition along with you. So Mena Westwood is something that never would have existed before. Um, Other collectives from other schools and other programs, if you noticed, as soon as NIL became a thing and was pretty much, I'll say, legalized by the NCAA, some schools just segued, transitioned, what, in a matter of hours? They just picked up their whole infrastructure that was already there, and I'll just say it, to cheat <coughs> and moved it to NIL. Yeah. So uh, there, there. I mean, it was seamless for them. The apparatus was already in place. Yes, UCLA. There, it was non-existent. There was no apparatus. There was no way to get guys' cars and. And mortgages. that's not to say UCLA has never cheated before, but no. it was not. It was not some. Uh, it wasn't a cottage industry thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. So then, what happens? UCLA is conservative, of course. There's a resistance to it, just like I was just talking about. Oh gosh, no, we won't get involved in that. There was considerable resistance from the football program, and I'll just say even the head coach. And I understand it. I I get it. I don't want to do that semi-icky thing. But then you start realizing that this is the way of the world and this is where it's going. Um, So UCLA didn't have really any really effective NIL. There, There were some that were announced out there, but they weren't really meant to fund the football and basketball NIL efforts like they needed to be funded. And let's be honest, they need to be funded at a very high level if you're going to be competitive now in in football and college football and basketball. So there's this one guy, he will re- remain nameless as long as he wants to remain nameless. A, a UCLA booster and donor himself who decided to step up and help. Now, 
I mean, he doesn't need to do this. He's a pretty smart businessman on his own who would probably just want to golf every day if he could. Um, he he did it out of being a fan and alum and a proud uh, alumnus of of UCLA. So he takes this on, and he mostly took it on for the basketball program because he had a better relationship with the basketball program, and he got resistance from the football program. So he starts this thing, and um, NIL itself grows to become, I mean, in a matter of months, a critical part of, of college basketball. I mean, it's a thing. It's a big thing. It's just not recruiting. It's retaining your present players it's tied into everything now so he steps up he decides to help basketball football when they're going through recruiting the 2023 class and the transfers the football program to its vast credit realizes a little late but give it credit wow we need we need to do something on nil and it was mostly i think you could probably thank Dante Moore, because when he pivoted from Oregon and he, and he communicated with UCLA, he's interested. It's kind of like he didn't necessarily ask for a big NIL package and UCLA didn't offer it. But if you're going to get Dante Moore, that's that's part of your that's part of the equation. It, it, yes. it came hand in hand. So they asked the guy who had set up basketball and was doing a good job of doing it. So he got I won't say roped in but let's say roped in to doing football too. So this guy who's retired doesn't have to be doing any of this is now suddenly working like 40, 50 hours a week, not just in organizing, but he talks to donors. The NIL collectives are the guys who talk to the players about their NIL deals. It's you can imagine the big, the big job he's got on his hands here. Um, so, has it been com uh, transparent, that word? No. And and I understand the frustration that everyone wants transparency, but they haven't filed taxes yet this year, so there's no transparency there. Um, in what other kind of donorship do you, or investment, when you give money somewhere, do they tell you where your money's going? I can't really think of too many examples of that. Um, and then a lot of suggestions from a lot of people, which are great on how to improve the whole thing. But remember, this thing's been in existence a matter of months. It's still ramping up. It's still learning what it can do. And he's taking on more and more and more. Um, everyone should feel amazing gratitude towards this guy for for <laughs> for doing this instead of, questioning what he should be doing he knows all this he's a really smart guy so i think it's in really good hands it will continue to expand he's made some decisions which i think are really sound up to this point he wanted to keep it a hundred percent all nil donations go to the players really smart because as soon as you start saying you know, a certain percentage, then, then transparency is, is key. You need to know, everyone would want to know like, well, where else is that money going? So he's taken all of this on from the paperwork, the accounting. He's, he's doing it on his own, but he's doing it with trusted friends and colleagues who have all donated their time to doing this. So 
it's incredibly lucky that this guy decided to do this because if he didn't, UCLA would not have an NIL program. That would be competitive. It, it would not be in, Dante Moore would not be at UCLA. He, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have signed with UCLA. There's no way. I can safely say that. Um, Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let me safely say another thing. Okay. Um, <clears throat> even if it was a complete black box, like complete, even if you didn't have us telling you um, that, you know, all this money is going to the players, 100% of it, the whole thing. Uh, ethically, morally, all the other things, um, you see proof in the pudding that players are getting paid from this entity, right? Everyone watches those interviews that we get. Why do you think the players are agreeing to them? Right, just everyone because we're that? so because you're so dynamic yeah, but, and personal. Every, everyone gets that, right? Um, how much money do you think they see from your WAF donations? Exactly. How much? How much? Like, do you think they actually get from that? Um, they get value. Uh-huh. Uh huh. WAF. Um, I I may be casting aspersions a little bit here, but I don't think a lot of it. Uh, you're paying coach buyouts. You're paying for building maintenance. You're paying for debt management and I, I guess with this increased donation amount you're also paying for travel expenses uh to the big 10 which should be taken care of by the media deal um absolutely so yeah okay um if you want to make arguments that this isn't perfect yeah totally it's not i i i would prefer to see the university um which i dearly love i went there uh the university step up and pay players they can't yet um, there will probably be resistance to that when it actually does become possible. Um, and until that day, well, what's more equitable? Is it throwing money at the WAF so that they can uh, continue to increase coach salaries and pay buyouts and pay for building and, and debt management and all that other gross stuff? Or is it throwing it into a thing that, well, we've thrown our reputations behind it saying that, Yes, 100% of dollars are going to players. But even if you didn't believe that, even if you think, oh, they're they're just talking a good game, even if you didn't believe that, it would still be better to throw it into the black box because you know at least some of that is getting to the players. And if you trust us, you believe that 100% of it is. So and, and, and here's the thing, attack too. Attack it ethically, guys. Yeah, and, and people are questioning if this, if Mena Westwood is a sketchy... UCLA has endorsed it. Martin Jarmond has endorsed it. They there are ads at UCLA 
basketball games they on ran its big screen. The selection Sunday event they at Boston. <laughs> this has all been 100% vetted by UCLA. UCLA compliance, which I can very safely say is one of the most conservative compliance offices in the in in college sports. They just say no to a lot of things just to play it safe. And and I get that. They signed off on this. They signed off on bros involvement also. So uh, that means uh, ipso facto that the NCA is signed. Everyone signed off. This is legitimate in everyone's eyes. And if it's UCLA has a higher standard uh, than even the NCAA. I know this through history. Um, There's so many comparisons. Did remember when Bro raised three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for um, uh, the Wasserman Center? Uh, Bro didn't. Sorry, Bro readers raised three hundred and fifty thousand. <laughs> God, what did I just say? Now I am getting a call by answer. Uh, Bro readers raised three hundred and fifty. We were we the were Bru- the, the Bruin online community. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what it, we were. We were the vehicle, the online entity in space where that where everyone got together. That sort of to should talk. have been the Bruin, the Bruin online entity in space. It is. But when you all did that, do you know where your like, did you know where your money went? Yeah. That? It went into that one brick. Yeah. Well, it went into a plaque <laughs> <laughs> and they wouldn't even say Bruin report online. It said the Bruin online community. They actually, that's how, they actually... that's how UCLA did not want to give bro credit or, detach itself from bro they're they're so <laughs> paranoid <laughs> about they actually the whole relationship the money into that single brick it's actually in there physically it's sort of like uh, arrested development you know there's always money in the banana stand no we got a, we got a meeting we've got a plaque on a meeting room <laughs> and just so you know their compliance has never allowed signed me off to go take a picture of the plaque sad sad situation <laughs> so, but this same entity of UCLA that we're talking about has signed off on this. They've done their due diligence through the NCAA, and it's all good. Yeah. Not only Bro's involvement with Men of Westwood, but Men of Westwood itself. It is a yeah. very legitimate, valid, validated <laughs> entity. So you're not. It's not a sketchy thing, and people are throwing that out just to try. And and I get it. There's resistance to all this. 100% get that. I, I still feel, I'm not 100% feeling good about the whole thing. I'm, I don't mean our involvement. I just mean the whole NIL stuff. It's a, it's a little icky. No, and hopefully it goes away very quickly. Hopefully yeah. there is a solution where they're actually paid by the universities through the media deal at some point soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to put a bow on it, even if you are feeling max skeptical, like you're feeling absolutely the max justified skeptical, about the whole endeavor, about the our involvement, the whole thing. It's hard to picture a way where it would be preferable to take your, let's call them your UCLA athletic dollars, and put them into anything else that's not going to go directly into the pockets of players. Like See, that's, and and I don't want to. I don't want to. I think you said cast aspersions against WAF and UCLA's fundraising. No, because it serves a purpose. It's just. But, but the way this works, I mean, in the real world, I mean, we said, we told you that there was a NIL uh, um, donor 
once UCLA lost to Gonzaga that pulled their money. Can you imagine what UCLA fundraisers have gone through <laughs> with, let's say, the ups and downs of UCLA sports and and through the the downs of UCLA football and basketball over the last 20 years, specifically the end of the Mora era, the Steve Alford era, COVID. Oh my gosh. If you're a UCLA fundraiser, could you imagine, right? But the way I'm getting to the point that the number one driving force, no matter how great of a fundraiser you are, is if just like with bro, whether it's successful, is if the teams are are good, that, that gets people wanting to donate. So the hierarchy, the trickle down here is you get some really good players and some who are really well coached. They win. Then UCLA donors feel really good and then are happy about their WAF donors and maybe increase. It doesn't go the other way. If I'm just judging from my own little independent seat here. At this moment in time when NIL is so important, and like Dave said, it might not be in two years. It might be displaced by some better system. Um, but right now, it's kind of at the top of the hierarchy when it comes to, I think, where money should go. You got You need good players to win, and then when it wins, then people give money to funds like the WAF. All right, let's move on to actual sports. Sorry about that, guys, but we have been talking about it a lot, and we said, you know what? I mean, offline, so why don't we talk about it online? Yeah, and it's irritating the shit out of me. On the little whiny bitch report online. There you go. Um, All right, Uh, so, Tracy, you wrote a basketball recruiting analysis and kind of a roster analysis uh, this morning. Well, um, I did the roster analysis in the original story from last you week. You added some don't just say that. You no, added No, but that a was the nugget. basis. That was you the basis. You added some nuggety oh, nuggety substance oh, to it, this. It was nugget rife. Yeah, right? no, there nugget were little rich. chunks of dingleberries all over through this thing. <laughs> um I don't know, where do you want to start with it? Well, let's just start with first off just uh, uh, no one is should be worried too much about scholarships. Ironic, I think we talked about this before, when you have a full, you know, you're close or you have a full roster, you're waiting to see who's going to stay in the um, NBA draft and then fans are so worried that UCLA had so many scholarships to give. And now in this era, it really helps to have a number of scholarships to give at this point because then you can have the leeway of knowing you can go out and actively recruit guys, not based on a contingent that uh, someone stays in the NBA draft. So that's what UCLA has right now with that. um, Even if everyone returned except Jaime Hawkes who, who can return for eligibility, they would have one scholarship to give. As I said in the story, that's unlikely. We're seeing, we're hearing that Jalen Clark will probably will more than likely not return He'll, and it's someone took that to mean that he's going to transfer. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that he's going, he's turning over a new chapter and he's moving. He's going to put all his effort into trying to be an NBA player from here. I think he's going to go the Chris Smith kind of scenario. Um, that's, uh, things could, uh, just caveat, all of this could change. This is fluid. <laughs> um, Tiger Campbell, we're hearing. I think it's likely that he does not return to UCLA and that he could go into the transfer portal. I think I love Tiger Campbell. He might, 
you know, among all these among all these guys that have carried UCLA, the UCLA program, I don't know. There's kind of a special place for Tiger Campbell for me just because he's a point guard and I love point guards. Um, he should go get 500 to a thousand to a million dollars. He should go get some money because he's, I mean, he can't play in the NBA. He, he'll be able to go play overseas, but he's got one year of eligibility and he can still play college ball. If he stays and Amari Bailey stays, or even if he doesn't, there could be uh, an issue with Dylan Andrews and playing time and minutes. Dylan Andrews, uh, you got to give him credit that as we saw how good he is, and he came in and decided that how many minutes did he play a game? Being like fifteen, and he agreed to do that because just so you know, get in, get into the mindset of today and not what we all think it should be or what it was 30 years ago. Every player coming into college ball who's at least a four-star and probably many three-stars thinks, I'm going to play one year, play 30 minutes a game, and I'm going to the NBA. And I'm absolutely certain that that is part, uh, a big part of what Dylan Andrews believes about himself, and he agreed to do this. What I'm saying is if Tiger Campbell returns I think there could be some uh, a possibility that Dylan Andrews would go look for a better situation because first off, better situation. Secondly, if you're out there and you're a program that needs a point guard, how much would you pay him? I shouldn't be saying this. I'm I'm killing UCLA's negotiating, the NIL's negotiating <laughs> uh, stance with Dylan Andrews, but he's worth a lot of money, that kid. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of, and you made the point. Sometimes it's just the right time for for Tiger Campbell. COVID COVID years are money year, buddy. Like you've got so in in, in a normal span of span of time, you wouldn't have had a sixth year option. Now you do. Okay, what do you do with that extra year? Do you run it back at UCLA? Maybe play four fewer minutes a game. Uh, have your role a little bit reduced just because the realities of if Bailey or Andrews return, uh, like if either one of them returns, they need an increased role. You know, if it's Bailey, he needs more time on the ball. If it's Andrews, he needs more time. Um, so who's who's getting eaten into then? It's Tiger Campbell. Uh, and that's if he returns and everyone's still like, yeah, he's the starting point guard. Well, starting point guard playing 28 minutes a game. Well, instead of that and making kind of your consistent NIL money at UCLA, why not? Like, why not go look and see, you know, compared to what you could get in Europe, compared to what you could get, I don't know, anywhere else, um, is is some, you know, school with silly money willing to throw out, you know, 800 grand for you to come play for a year? And if they are, well, why the hell not? And, you, and- you, I mean, Tiger Campbell is a, is a, he's a Bruin for life no matter what he does. I mean, he played five years, huge part of uh, returning the program to greatness. Nobody, I, I can't imagine the person who would resent that decision. No. And I mean, it would be hard to see him in another uniform. Very much, I get it. But if Tiger Campbell can go out and like almost double the NIL money he could get at, at UCLA, we all have to say good on him, supportive for him. Uh, and he absolutely, and, and I think other programs, 
would have to believe he's highly valuable, that he can come to come in and stabilize your point guard, stabilize, take your point guard pos- position to a much higher level than you've probably, point, good point guards with the savvy that Tiger Campbell, ha- I mean, how many are there in college basketball right now? I think UCLA has one in him, and I think UCLA will have an NBA-type point guard in Dylan Andrews by January of next year, if not sooner. So, yeah, embarrassment of riches, but Tiger Campbell should go out. He's very marketable and do that. Um, Adem Bona, the feeling around – I mean, it's not even it's not even really being talked about because – He's going to need off-season surgery. He's going to have to recover. He's 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 not going to go into the NBA draft. Um, is the is the generally accepted feeling? Uh, Amari Bailey up in the air. I mean, he'll he'll test the waters. Who knows what happens? We've talked endlessly about why we think it would be smart for him to come back, and I've said he has good decision-making team around him. But still, they could still get a guarantee of a first round and decide that's the good move for him. So that's up in the air. Even Ken uh, Nuba, I, I think, is still undetermined what he could do. That would be his sixth year, his COVID year. Um, but given all this, thinking, let's just say that Jalen Clark doesn't return, Tiger Campbell doesn't return, they have three scholarships. If you look at their roster and their depth chart, they are hurting for wings. Point guard, I mean, with Dylan Andrews is good. If Amari Bailey returns, you got your backup minutes. Um, and then you, Will McClendon will, will be able to give you backup minutes, as will Sebastian Mack, the true freshman. So you'll get your backup minutes. Um, but it's and if you've noticed, I'm fast forwarding a little here, but UCLA has reached out to a number of transfers just to make initial contact, not not one post player. So you can take that as an indication right now. They're feeling a dembo. They're pretty stacked at the post. They feel and well, not just stacked. More accurately, is they don't have a scholarship to give there. They do have plenty at the wing spots. There it goes. Um, I think probably at this moment. Uh, there are two likely two players that could prospects that could likely be Bruins at wings. That's Elan Fiblu, the French uh, the French player who we talked about before. He's taken he took an official visit to UCLA and Gonzaga. He um, right now we're hearing really good things about UCLA's chances, and then uh, Reese. Dixon Waters, the USC transfer. Uh, as I wrote in that thing, uh, the recruit that UCLA recruitment is progressing in a fine manner. Um, <laughs> yes, that was said in a way that I I can't say everything about it. Um, but I w- I would think something might break on either either or both of those guys probably in the next couple of weeks. So really exciting then on top of that are guys we can't identify. And we've talked about why we can't identify them. We don't want to hurt UCLA's chances in their recruitment. But there are two more international players that I will say would be five-star prospects. Alain Fiblou will probably be a five. So what 24-7's policy is that 
all of these international prospects, they don't uh, rate them or rank them until they're committed because it's so variable what could happen with them. If Fablu does commit to UCLA, I, I would think he's going to be a five-star prospect. There are two other international guys who, in my opinion, if they committed somewhere, hopefully UCLA, they would also be five-star guys. So now are they going to get them all? Maybe not, but there's a decent chance that they do. Um, if they do, they need one more scholarship. Uh, and we'll see how that happens. If that's Amari Bailey going pro, someone else transferring out, maybe Ken Nuba leaving just the program and, and hanging up his basketball shoes, at least at UCLA. So there's that. And, and this then is where, this is where NIL could get interesting too, because how does NIL work with walk-ons, you know, make them well, a scholarship. Yeah, it, it really could. I mean, it could you, uh, this is completely above board. Ken Nuba could be go off scholarship, but they could find him enough NIL money to uh, pay his, be pay the his tuition. pay, be, even probably more than than just what a scholarship is is worth. Wow, that would be <laughs> that'd be pretty amazing. So then UCLA is also doing its due diligence on other transfers, um, all wings. So <laughs> pretty obvious what they're looking for. Uh, Nicholas Simberlake, six four uh, kid from Towson. Chris Ledlam, six six kid from Harvard. Khalif Battle from Temple, and they just recently reached out to Dalton uh, Connect. I, I, it would be so great because he's a really good three-point shooter. I think it's pronounced Connect. <laughs> That'd be really easy to have fun with that, right? Um, That'd be great. A 6'6 wing from Northern Colorado. Uh, so like what that story said, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot to watch for this spring in 2023 UCLA basketball recruiting. And then like what I ended it on, AU ball starts next month. I'm going to, well, at this moment, things are fluid, but I'm going to Omaha, Nebraska for the Adidas tournament. And then beautiful Phoenix once again for uh, the Nike EYBL um, to watch 2024 and younger guys. So that's where the re UCLA recruiting is at the moment. Very exciting stuff. I mean, if you want to put some credibility in Alain Fablou's, uh that he's strongly leaning towards UCLA, uh, the publisher of the of Wildcat Authority, Jason Shear, put in a crystal ball prediction for UCLA. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to add that. Uh, uh, yeah. So Dave, any anything to add? Any questions? Well, my natural thing is to fart all over it and say, that's a few too many five star types for me. Yeah, yeah. But see, that what we what we forgot to say, UCLA already has three four-star guys coming in the 2024 class. I know. And so I think it's not It's a good blend, Dave. It's a it's a pretty good blend. A pretty good blend. And the thing with Euros is you get them in, they might take a second to adapt a little bit longer than even I didn't say Euros. I didn't say Euros. Sorry. International Sorry. guys. <clears throat> international players um internationals international fellows um the the thing with them is you can always run into adaptation issues where they end up in school and then it's like oh 
they're pretty good. They're not quite, um, you know, what we thought they were because uh, the uh, the international youth leagues can be a little bit, you know, uh, uh, sometimes the, the quality can vary. So uh, anyway, the point uh, being um, probably still a little bit too much elite for me. I like very good. Um, and I think Mick Cronin uh, uh, should always like very good because he's a development guy. But uh, certainly if all of that does come to fruition, if a scenario where Amari Bailey comes back, a Dembona comes back, um, they get all these dudes. Um, let's say they get all three of the of the of the um, internationals with Elon uh, and Reese Dixon Waters and Reese Dixon Waters. If you add all that together, yep, they're right back to contending for a national championship next year. That that's probably a more talented. It will be very interesting to watch McCronin coach this because more talented, less experience. So probably more scoring. Probably um, got to go a little bit up, more up tempo because controlling, controlling the game will be less possible because yeah. you don't have that experience. Um, probably comparable that they won't have as much experience and and savvy defensively, but better athleticism and and other defensive aspects that I can't give away. Um, and then, uh, but probably more turnovers, more mistakes. More Cronin probably pulling his hair out because, I mean, how many – you only had to deal with, what, 10 turnovers, 9 turnovers a game. Yeah. Um, but really – so it'll be a different team. But, dang, the talent – I mean, I'm a, I'm a Reese Dixon Waters fan. I, I was before UCLA played him, and he literally could not be defended by anyone on UCLA's team in that yep. second half. Um. And then the other guys, I mean, Fablu is, a. I mean, he's, it's between UCLA and the G League. And the G League just doesn't take slappies. They're not going to give a contract out to someone who they don't think is a future pro. Um, as a, as an 18-year-old, let's say. Uh, so, yeah. And the two other guys I've said, one of them might be the overall best prospect that Mick Cronin will have brought in. So yeah, the talent level would, and just to see, because we've, have we ever really seen this? I mean, we've seen Mick Cronin do it at Cincinnati. We've seen him do it at UCLA, but Mick Cronin um, coaching a team of a, of NBA talent. Uh, the yeah. problem, the problem with McCronin before he couldn't get Mc, he couldn't get NBA talent to go to Cincinnati, and then so far what we've seen so far, there's a, a lot of the, a lot of the elite talent, uh, five star guys probably don't want to come to UCLA because they they don't want to be driven that hard by the coach. They think, oh, one year stop off, I'll improve my brand, and I'm off to the, off to the NBA. There are guys, and you know I don't want to you know, overly criticized, but like Khalil Ware, right? The immensely talented kid. I think soft as butter. I mean, people are thinking, will he want to come to UCLA? <laughs> First off, he's probably shopping for big NIL. Not probably. And he's, and he's pretty soft. He wants to float and shoot threes. Um, I've said this before, written it, so I might as well say it. The guy that's replacing him at Oregon is Kwame Evans. 
That was the softest. He had legitimate strong interest in UCLA until the UCLA staff saw him. I watched him in some of the first EYBL leagues. He he would run from uh, free throw line to free throw line a lot of times, or he'd set up in the corner to shoot a three. And not there were minutes that would go by without him touching someone else on the floor. Um, so yeah, a lot of these five star guys well, have that's just not polite. He knows his boundaries <laughs> exactly. Have not immensely talented kid. Um, I'm sure he thinks he's Kevin Durant. Um, there are all these types have not wanted to come to UCLA. And you know, I know we're running long on this, but this is interesting. The five-star level talent that's international might not be as soft as the American five-star talent, and they might perceive Mick Cronin as a guy differently, that that's a coach who could get them to the NBA, that they would need that, as opposed to a lot of American five-star talent that's going to say, I just need some place to go showcase my talent, improve my brand, go to the NBA, and not have to work that hard. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see Mick Cronin with that much talent. If this does happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun to talk about once we can actually talk about it, but, um, there (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll throw a little tease. There's a development here that's going to really, really rock your world. If it actually ends up happening because it just changes the dynamic of the lineup in a really profound way. And it'll be fun. Now you got me wanting to know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. That's that's called a real tease there, Tracy. Um, all right, <laughs> you gotta, just made got, that up. Okay. we got to wrap up with some spring football. Okay. we got to do it. Um, so we're going to go a little bit long today. Um, spring football starts on Tuesday. Uh, I had an interview with uh, defensive coordinator Danton Lynn uh, yesterday. Uh, go watch it. He comes across as a very um, personable guy. Um, he was uh, fun to talk to. Um obviously uh, a little green um he's he hasn't called plays before he said um you know there's a wealth of experience on staff to help with that certainly um you've got ken norton jr you've got um brian norwood who have each called plays in their own ways at different points then all Um, then all the analysts that will be up in the booth yes yes i think clancy's still kicking around somewhere in there he is and i would suspect they're going to add to that yeah, so there's there's going to be no shortage of guys who have called plays, but it will be an adjustment um, for Lynn to do so. Uh, but I thought, he, you know, there were a couple of good things that I thought he said. I, I was kind of happy that he didn't seem, and obviously it's an interview, you know, proof is in the pudding. He didn't seem married to the idea of any particular scheme going into spring, um, wants to get an idea of what he has on the field, that whole thing which I think is probably the right approach, especially if you're new. Um, the worst thing you can be when you are uh, young and relatively at the beginning part of your career is be inflexible. So if he can be um, a little open-minded with what he has and, and move guys around, I think that'll be all to the good. Um, but yeah, uh, he was pretty good. And then uh, we're going to get to see it on Tuesday. And I'm, I'm, the 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 offensive battles, the offensive competitions, I'm really excited to see. Every single one of them. Quarterback's going to be a ton of fun. Um, I've been banging the drum the whole time, and it's not like a really controversial drum, but I've gotten some pushback from from my, my partner on this show, 
actually, that Dante Moore is going to win it no matter what, pretty much, unless he like literally throws an interception every third throw, because there's just a little bit too much. Um, there's a little too much juice behind him. Colin uh, Schley. Colin but, Schley. but Tracy is banging the Colin Schley drum, so I'm excited to see that. I think we'll be like writing, you know, um, uh, uh, dueling banjo practice reports about these guys. And then, uh, you know, obviously there's Ethan Garbers still, too. I mean, Ethan Garbers was, you know, heading into the middle part of last year. Everyone was thinking, wow, he's he's going to be the, the starter uh, after Dorian goes. Um, and now that is far from certain. I would call it uh, unlikely. Uh, but if he comes out and shows really well in spring, then he could still seize the job. Then you've got running back. And running back, uh, there's, you know, no Zach Charbonnet. Uh They've got Carson Steele coming in. Uh, they've got Anthony Adkins coming in. They've got uh, TJ Harden returning. They've got Keegan Jones returning. Um, how's that thing's going to shake out? You know, how how will Carson Steele be able to make the jump up from Ball State with actually no issues? And then receiver. We're going to see a whole bunch of new receivers and receivers at the top of the depth chart that we haven't seen before. You know, uh, J. Michael Sturvant, um, Kyle Ford going to be new and different um and then we'll just skip past offensive line because um you know it's uh maybe a couple of guys who are potentially going to start this year aren't even going to be there so it'll be fun yeah um probably one of the easily one of the if not the most uh potentially interesting spring practices I'd say just because of all the new faces that are going to be in. I mean, did you mention Carson Steele? I did mention Carson Steele. God, uh, who's who's the guy on? Um, this is bad that I go into his name. That's on twenty four sevens videos. He always he loves him. Oh, uh, uh, Josh Pate. Josh Pate. Josh Pate's pretty good, and he knows his Midwest. He's in love. With the flowing hair. <laughs> um, but he, he loves himself some Carson Steele. And he he knows him well. He's watched a lot of Carson Steele. Um, just watching that. And if we come out of this with, you know, a Carson Steele, TJ Harden kind of, uh, you know, mix of Brown and Charbonnet, for next season. Wow. You know, and then there's other, I mean, uh, we're, we're, we're forgetting about Anthony Adkins. Want to see him too. Uh, the transfer from army. Um, so much, so much to watch and just not transfers. Uh, one of the guys I want to see the most is, uh, he'll be a redshirt freshman. It's, uh, uh, Braden Pegan. We see got yep. rave reviews, six, yep. four athletic, um, when you talk to anyone unofficially on the program, even all the players, they'd say, hey, watch out for Brian Pegan. He's going to be really good. So did you see how I did that voice? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so really, really exciting to watch. Um, what I want from you, Dave, is what you think of the defense personnel. And then since you talked to Danton Lynn, what what we really think we're going to see this 
spring. I mean, I, I listened to your interview and he talked, of course, he's not giving up. Why would he give up scheme? They never talk scheme. They never no, say no, that. No, they're, they're all going to play fast. Yeah, they're going to play fast. We want our players to, to just play fast. Um, I, I, I want to see a defense just playing entirely slow. <laughs> if, if, I look at, if I look at the depth chart, I really kind of firmly believe they're one really good cornerback from making me feel good about the personnel. So, all right, let's, I'll, I'll go through some of my issues. Like a transfer cornerback would be good. Sure. They've got a lot of bodies at linebacker. A lot of bodies. Wow, so many bodies. But. 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 They weren't very good last year. No. None of these bodies. Uh, John John Fons is maybe the best of them, and, uh, well, he was hurt for about half the season, playing hurt. Um, Darius Musau didn't think he was great. Um, Kane Medrano had some ups, had some downs. Uh, Shea Bryant Struther, hopefully he's really, really grown in his understanding of the game. But there were a lot of issues in this group. Now, one guy we didn't see was Ali Cajo because he was hurt all year. Maybe he can come in and make a huge impact. But linebacker play was not very good last year. Maybe that changes in a different scheme. You often see that, you know, Uh, if there's a bad mismarried scheme, then a lot of times the linebackers will bear the brunt of looking kind of awful in it. So we'll see. Um, I would would have. Okay, just wait really fast on linebacker. Um. Their linebacker play was not good last year. I'm expecting that uh, so many of these guys are now seniors. I mean, uh, Muasau is a uh, super senior. Uh, I, Ali Kaho will be a super senior. John John Vons will be a senior. Kay Madrano will be a senior. And then really experienced juniors, Shea Bryant Strother, uh, the transfer from Cal, there's, and plus, uh, they're bringing in a new DC, and you've got Ken Norton. If if linebacker play isn't at least solid to good, uh, that would be the biggest disappointment, and I'd have to expect that it's going to be, given all those factors. Okay. And then the other piece, uh, defensive tackle, um, I think it's a decent starting two. Uh, Gary Smith and Jay Toia, but you're really counting on Keanu Williams um, to come in pretty ready to play because the depth behind those two is not great. Um, you know, these, these are a lot of guys who have not, you know, uh, not found a role or have been moved around or are former walk-ons or guys we saw last year not play very well. So, Defensive tackle, and this is where I, I can't bang the drum too hard. Again, banging the drum. Just constantly banging a drum today, Tracy. We have a lot of drums we're banging. Yeah, uh, because who knows what their like standard front is going to look like, what kind of fronts he's going to want to throw out there. Um, but if they're going to kind of big defensive tackles, um, it's going to be, I think, a challenge to come up with a good, strong, consistent rotation that doesn't have a ton of drop-off. Um from that top two. So I guess my point is Tracy, I kind of disagree about their one cornerback away. I think they, there needs to be major strides in that front seven for them to be um, a good defense this year. Now, a lot of that can come from scheme. If you've got a good scheme, well-called good game plans, the whole thing, then a lot of this falls into place. But if, if it's going to be some 
read and react, you know, relying on talent, relying on beating the guy on the edge, not trying to, you know, throw a bunch of different um, bells and whistles at offenses. I don't know. I think they've got one really plus player uh, up front, and that's Leatu Latu. Uh, I don't know if they have one at linebacker. I thought Gary Smith played better when he was healthy. When he was healthy, yeah. Uh, I think a big question for him is whether he can stay healthy because he spent spring injured, and then he spent a good part of last year injured. Um, so if he can get through a whole year healthy, that would be great because I do think he has some plus potential. And Jay, Jay Toia does too. He just hasn't shown it yet. Um, but linebacker, there isn't really a proven commodity there um, to my eye. And then in the secondary – yeah, that's where I think there is a lot of potential because these guys, some of them, we just haven't seen a whole lot before. Like Kamari Ramsey, we haven't seen him in a you know in actual significant snaps. So maybe he comes in and, and plays really well. Maybe Jordan Anderson, uh, the Bowling Green transfer, comes in and plays really well um, at the safety spots. But I'm still pretty skeptical um, of the defense. I think there needs to be. Um, and it's not something we're going to be able to see in spring because to, to your original question, I don't know how much actual like intricate scheme stuff we're going to see in spring. I think there's going to be a lot of let's run some base stuff and see what guys look like running our base stuff. Um, and then going from there. And it's really hard to assess scheme in practice. It just is because everyone knows what everyone's doing. First, I completely think your skepticism is 100% warranted. I agree. Um, I guess it's kind of reverse BBS or maybe another form of BBS where your BBS feeds your skepticism as it should. But the BBS for me, another version of it is back in spring of so many years for so long. They, that the spring rosters were so thin. I mean, so incredibly thin, you know, they had four DBs. You know, they had maybe two defensive linemen. I'm looking at this because I've been beaten down by so much and say, wow, there are a lot of bodies here, um, which at least gives them the ability to to function at, you know, to actually, you know, conduct a, a practice uh, in spring. Um, so, yeah, I, I get, I completely get uh, the, the skepticism I just think, and here's more BBS, I guess, in two different versions. I mean, so many years Chip Kelly's been in this program. He goes out and he gets this guy as a defensive coordinator. There's got to be, it can't just not be good. It can't. It could very much so, but that would be phenomenal if it were not good. It just, to me, it would be phenomenal. Um, it has to be an improvement over last, over last year. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's just desperation talking. Um, I, I, we said the same thing last year, which is my problem. And it was worse. Like yeah. The defense actually didn't have much room to get worse. And it actually did get worse last year. And then here's the thing that's while he didn't talk about scheme, it's not going to be a big variation on the scheme. They, that's one thing. Everyone runs the same stuff. They run the same days. stuff. It's going to be a weird, you know, it's still the four, two, five, two inside linebackers. Maybe there'll be, you know, more of those defensive end linebackers who, who were linebackers uh, previous to Bill McGovern 
you know, that they dropped more. And then last year they were almost pure defensive ends. Um, maybe we see them drop more, but it's, it's going to be the same, you know, maybe there's more zone, maybe there's more man, but it's, it's going to be basically the same defense. Yeah. So, but a lot to be excited about to go out to watch in spring. And then, you know, UCLA has already reached reached out to Joshua DeBerry, the defensive back from Boston College. East Coast guy, I don't know if they'll get much traction in his recruitment. But um, after spring practice, when we look up from spring practice, the transfer portal will open up. So they might not be done body-wise. They'll and, and you can probably anticipate some people might decide to transfer after uh, the impression they get on their chances for playing time coming out of spring practice. So the roster might look even, even more, one more, one more phase of looking different after spring practice. Didn't we have, we had some defections during spring practice last year, right? Didn't Caleb Johnson leave? Yeah. Um, and, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, Odila Isabor. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you thought they had opportunity for playing time and they both left, which probably was a bit of an NIL motivated. Well, for Caleb Johnson, it definitely was. He went to Miami. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay, Dave. Well, that was tremendous. That was a long one. That was a big one. Yeah. Girthy show. (laughs) It's about girth, Dave. It is. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, and we will talk to you again next time. We'll see you out there a lot, eight. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.